Well, hello, everyone. This is JB with Not By Works Ministries. And as promised, it is uh, time for our weekly uh, meeting with uh, my good friend Randy, and he's going to be joining us here momentarily. Uh, and uh, really excited to have him on the program and always enjoy his insights and commentary on all that is going on uh, globally around the world. But as usual, I want to start with just a, a few passages of scripture and some thoughts and reflections that are on my heart. I uh, hope everyone had a great uh, Christmas, a wonderful time celebrating the birth of our Savior. I mentioned that yesterday on the podcast, but uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's great to be around family, great to have some downtime, especially when, as a believer, the whole purpose for this uh, time of year is to remember, uh, of course, the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, God's Son and our Savior. So today, uh, before we bring Randy on, I want to set the stage by uh, talking about uh, what I'm going to call living wisely when the wicked lead, living wisely when the wicked lead. Uh, you know, in my books, The Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1 and Volume 2, we talk a lot about the Luciferian conspiracy. We expose it, we define it, and we uh, diagram it for you. And and we know that according to God's Word, there is a conspiracy uh, that is going to be culminating one day in the Antichrist taking the helm of a one-world system, uh, politically, religiously, and economically. And by the way, someone emailed me recently. I have not had the chance to respond. It's in my queue. Uh, I'm catching up from our trip, uh, but I still have quite a few that I haven't got to. I do about 10 a day uh, over this holiday anyway, trying to not get too far behind. But anyway, in this email, the person was uh, wondering, uh, you know, how in the world we could be heading towards a one world system. And they cited some scriptures and had some questions. And it was a good natured email, not a, a critical one per se, but uh, they just didn't seem to have the right perspective on uh, God's word and, and where this world is heading. There is no question that uh, we're headed towards a one world system. Now that one world system is going to have national, you know, nation states, but they will all be beholden to and under the thumb of a one world satanically driven leadership, namely uh, the Antichrist. And in that regard, uh, it's really not much different than it is today. We have a globalist uh, cabal that is leading, uh, really pulling the strings of world affairs uh, under the, uh, you know, guidance, if you will, uh, or authority, if you will, of Satan himself, Lucifer. Um, uh, and uh, so even though we see world leaders and national leaders and so forth, uh, and they appear to have some level of sovereignty over their nation, the reality is most of them are controlled puppets. And uh, when I bring Randy on here in a minute, uh, I'm sure he's going to give us some updates on uh, Mr. Zelensky and Mr. Putin, uh, both of whom uh, are you know puppets in a, in, in a manner of speaking. So, um, but the fact of the matter is, uh, we are definitely headed towards a one-world government. We certainly know that uh, in the end of the age, Christ is going to come back, and he's going to ultimately inaugurate a, a kingdom of peace and righteousness and justice, and we will return to a theocratic world, a one-world government where God himself is on the throne in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, so either way, we're headed towards a one-world government, first uh, under the uh, leadership of Satan, and ultimately uh, when Satan is cast into the lake of fire to be tormented day and night forever and ever, uh, it will be under the leadership of God himself. So 
uh, as we think about our culture and our world today and all of the world affairs and the types of things that Randy and I often talk about on this podcast, uh, I wanted to remind people of some principles uh, from God's Word. And the first one of those uh, comes from Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, which says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. Now, at that time, a thousand years before Christ, roughly 1000 BC, uh, approximately, uh, the common national rule was a theocracy. And so uh, Solomon here, writing under the inspiration of the Spirit, refers to the king's heart. We could just substitute there any government leader. And the point is, God is sovereign, and the government leader's hearts are in his hand, and he does turn them wherever he wishes. Right now, according to God's plan of the ages, as outlined in Scripture, uh, he is allowing uh, the globalist cabal to have quite a bit of, uh, you know, latitude, uh, but uh, for reasons known only to him. Uh, but one day, uh, one day, uh, he's going to rein them in because he is ultimately a sovereign. And so I just want to remind people as we talk about living wisely when the wicked lead, that even though there are wicked leaders right now, including in our own country, that does not mean that God is somehow impotent or God's sovereignty has been contravened. Not at all. God is still very much on the throne, as I often remind our listeners and remind people in my messages and books. And by the way, when we talk about the wicked leading, I want to point out there has not been a godly leader in the United States for decades. I mean, not even uh, close. You know, a lot of people think that uh, the, you know, the when they vote, the way they should vote, they think in terms of the Republican-Democrat paradigm. In fact, if you're honest and you really evaluate kind of your worldview as it comes to American uh, politics, uh, you would agree that generally your mind immediately goes to Republican-Democrat first. And why is that? Why don't we think in terms of, you know, biblical, um, you know, uh, you know, morality, biblical standards, a biblical worldview, that kind of thing, instead of, uh, you know, thinking in terms of, you know, party affiliation? Uh, the fact of the matter is, any Christian who holds a biblical worldview, and by the way, not all Christians do, uh, you can be a Christian by having trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation, and yet abandon biblical principles. You should not do that, and there are consequences for that, but sadly, many Christians have abandoned the Bible as their only standard for beliefs, uh, attitudes, and practices. Um, but, you know, why is it that believers, Christians, don't vote in terms of, you know, uh, what a person's worldview is rather than their party affiliation. Um, so, you know, I just, I wanted to remind people that indeed, uh, you know, we have uh, wicked leaders. God is still in control. In America, there's no question that uh, all of our leaders, and I've talked about this elsewhere, so I won't belabor the point, uh, but that includes in the Senate, the Supreme Court, the Congress, and the White House, are controlled assets, um, and you know this right-left paradigm has eclipsed biblical morality as the standard for which candidate is best. I had someone, uh, in fact, I have a couple of emails waiting in my queue uh, that I'm really eager to get to uh, that uh, from people asking about, well, you know, 
what's wrong with voting for, quote, the lesser of two evils? And shouldn't we just vote for the best of the two? And I, I remind people, well, first of all, there's not only two candidates. Even most presidential elections in America have six, seven, eight, sometimes more candidates listed. And do you do due diligence and check them all out and see where they stand on key moral issues? Um, because that should be your standard, not whether they're Republican or Democrat. And secondly, you can always write in a candidate. Um, but anyway, so let's remember that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. But another a couple of verses here from Proverbs, Proverbs 29, 2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked man rules, the people groan. Well, that uh, is snatched from the headlines. That perfectly describes the way things are in America today. And again, it's not just because a Democrat is in the White House, Joe Biden. Uh, it's no better when when Trump uh, was in there, I'm sorry to say. In fact, uh, uh, recently, for those who follow these things, you didn't get much mainstream coverage, but uh, Trump was all over uh, the place in alternative media, uh, holding a celebration at Mar-a-Lago after the gay marriage uh, you know, bill was signed by Biden. Uh, and, and he had all kinds of gays and lesbians there celebrating, cheering him, toasting them, uh, including, by the way, Carrie Lake, who's another big pro-LGBTQ person. Uh, but we don't ever hear about that because you think, oh, he's Republican. He must be conservative. But of course, I pointed that out back in 2016, even before my latest two books came out, when in prime time, uh, at the Republican National Convention, the very night uh, Donald Trump accepted the Republican nomination on a Thursday night, he had none other than um, the guy that started PayPal. I forget his name at the moment, but he's one of the top LGBTQ leaders in the country. In fact, on, on the widely respected, at least among LGBT people, a website that ranks the most influential LGBT men and women, he's number 16 right now. Uh, and uh, so anyway, uh, you know, Trump has always been pro-gay and, and promoting that abhorrent uh, lifestyle. Uh, and so that's what I mean about moral standards. So Proverbs makes it clear that obviously people are going to rejoice when there's a godly person calling the shots and in leadership. However, when a wicked man rules, uh, such as we see in these great last days right now, uh, the people groan. Similarly, Proverbs 28, 12 says, when the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. You know, there's no question that our current president uh, is, you know, very much a uh, puppet in the hands of the Luciferians. I've documented that elsewhere. My books talk about that. Um, and so why is it that people are, that conservatives and Christians are, you know, gathering together, uh, having uh, meetings to talk about preparedness, holding um, conferences. I'm getting invited to speak at all different uh, kinds of uh, truth movements and freedom movements and, you know, uh, we the people movements. Uh, why is that? Because that's a collective groan on the part of people that have a moral compass uh, who recognize that there's a wicked man in charge. Um, so uh, Proverbs is, is pretty clear uh, that uh, when the wicked lead, it does not go well for the people. And uh, so the question that we're asking today is, how can we live wisely when the wicked lead? Well, first of all, I would say, let's remember that one day 
the king of true righteousness will take the throne. Pro, uh, Isaiah 32 reminds us, behold, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule with justice. In other words, it won't always be this way. Jeremiah, uh, in his famous prophecy in Jeremiah 23, uh, gives us one of those compound names for the Lord, Jehovah uh, or Yahweh Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. He says this, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. The word branch there is capitalized because it's a messianic reference to the coming return of Christ. A king shall reign and prosper, Jeremiah says, and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved, that's Israel, and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah said canoe. So when will that happen? When will Jeremiah's prophecy happen? Well, we read about it in Revelation 18, when the seventh angel sounded, there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Revelation 11, 15. So uh, when Christ comes back, he's going to inaugurate the long-awaited kingdom. It will be a thousand-year kingdom on the old earth. Uh, and then at the end of that thousand years, the old heaven and old earth will be destroyed. I'll be talking about that this Sunday at Plum Creek Chapel. And, uh, and he will reign for all of eternity as the Bible comes full circle in the grand meta-narrative of history to a pre-fall Edenic state when all is made new uh, once again. So I just wanted to kind of preface our uh, discussion that we're going to have with Randy with that reminder. Uh, again, a couple key points that God's in control. God is sovereign. He holds the heart of kings in his hand. We understand that when the wicked rule, it does not go well, but we need to remain faithful anyway. And we do that by keeping our eyes fixed on the end goal, which is the return of Christ. And that's why I love uh, churches like Plum, Plum Creek Chapel, our home church, that allow me to preach and speak about uh, you know, prophecy. Uh, by the way, I'm going to give uh, our podcast listeners a quick uh, advanced uh, sneak peek at uh, something that's coming in February, beginning February 1st, Wednesday nights. February 1st will be the first one. We're going to begin uh, hosting Prophecy Night at Plum Creek, and I'll be uh, teaching on prophecy on Wednesday nights starting in February. So we're going to finish up in January my current series on the greatness of God, and then uh, we're going to shift gears starting February 1st. It's going to be an hour and a half session from 6 to 7.30 Mountain Time every Wednesday night starting in February. We'll start out with a little uh, time of music and then a, an hour-long uh, teaching from myself and then a, a Q&A session at the end. So it'll be similar to what we did a year ago when I did the short series on what in the world is going on. Uh, but uh, anyway, just something to look forward to coming in in February. So uh, I want to remind you to uh, check out notbyworks.org where you can sign up for our newsletter. You can keep up with our travel schedule for 2023, our conference schedule, uh, and you can send us emails and uh, find all of our free videos and podcasts. And it's just kind of your one-stop shop for everything that the Lord is doing in and through Not By Works Ministries. Also, uh, <laughs> I encourage you to uh, come visit us sometime at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado. Uh, that's our home church. Um, and we'd love to have you visit. We've got just a fantastic body of believers there growing, growing both in the faith and also growing numerically. Um, I do travel quite a bit, so check the schedule so you know who's preaching before you come. I'm usually there 40 to 45 Sundays a year, but uh, and I encourage you to come even when I'm not the one speaking because we've got some great 
pulpit supply folks that step in uh, at Plum Creek when I'm not around. But uh, anyway, with those announcements and that word of encouragement from Proverbs and from Jeremiah and Revelation, it's uh, my honor to introduce once again my a good friend, Randy. Randy, welcome to the program. I hope you had a wonderful Chris- Christmas. You know, with everything going on in the world, I, you and I were talking off air a moment ago. We really should call our podcast The Road to DEFCON 1, don't you think? I think that's probably the most appropriate title I've ever heard. Um, I hope everybody had a great Christmas. I hope you're looking forward to New Year's Day because I will turn 66 that day. And I should have been retired 20 years ago, but with kids, grandkids, college, well, here I still am. But anyway, we'll get right to business because things are getting bleaker than I've ever seen in my life. The funny thing that we're going to start off with concerns the COVID crisis. Now, it's not funny, but you're going to find that this is the lightest part of the whole broadcast. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of a lady by the name of Christina Grady. But she works for the National Institute of Health as the bioethics person. She is in charge of that. Now, she's basically the one that approves all of the drugs for the FDA for sale. Now, we often wonder how did all these drugs get out into the mainstream and and just what took place? Well, Christina just happens to be Mr. Fauci's wife. Hmm. So... He had a direct connection right there. Whatever he brought up, they talked about, she okayed. I also found out in the last few weeks, the reason everybody had their death certificate signed with COVID as a factor is the U.S. government provided a $9,000 funeral benefit to everybody that qualified. To qualify, your death certificate had to say COVID or COVID-related. So everybody that died got $9,000 I don't know if anybody else was aware of that. I wasn't, but now it all makes sense. The hospitals and doctors were paid so much for each COVID patient and the people that died, they got a check also. So if you want to see where all those billions of dollars went, it went right there for those payments. And thanks to uh, Dr. Fauci's wife, uh, there was really no review of any of the medications. We're now finding out how dangerous they are. And they slip through because of that relationship. Now, so moving along, Randy, do you think know, real quick on that subject? Do you think a Fauci will ever be brought to justice? I mean, it, it's so beyond dispute now. All of the details and the criminal activity behind the rollout of these experimental gene editing bio injections. We've got the, all of the the hard data from uh, the VAERS database. We've got all kinds of doctors, scientists, and eyewitnesses now on record uh, talking about the danger of this. And by the way, it still amazes me that people are still out there getting the boosters. Um, I just don't get it. It's it's like Mark Twain said, it's, uh, as I quote often, it's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. Um, and, and yes, I understand there are multiple batches of these different uh, quote vaccines, and some of them were placebo, some of them were not uh, as dangerous as others, but still, uh, it's just, you know, 58% of the people right now in America that are diagnosed every month with COVID have been vaccinated. In other words, you're more likely to get COVID if you've been vaccinated. So there's really no upside. A, you might die. B, you might become disabled or seriously injured. 
you know, C, you're going to probably catch COVID anyway, and you're more likely to if you get vaccinated. So, so what's the upside? I just don't get it. Most places are eliminating the mandates and, uh, you know, you don't have to, to do that anymore to work and so forth because there, there's all kinds of criminal liability there. But do you think Fauci will ever be uh, brought to justice? I think he has the same odds of being prosecuted as does Donald Trump. Yeah. Trump's out of the way now. Fauci's out of the way, and we have bigger fish to fry. So I would say absolutely no chance. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. Don't see them ever bringing him up for trial because there are so many more serious things that are happening. Yeah, and I'm even more cynical than that. I, I would say you know an absolute no as well. But because my reasoning is that I know that the federal court systems are all controlled, and that's the reason, for example, with the election fraud in 2020. You know, every federal court just basically brushed it aside and said nothing to see here and dismissed the cases because they're all controlled, even though there was incontrovertible empirical evidence of all kinds of, uh, you know, illegal activity, as as there was in the midterms here uh, this year. Uh, but so I, I don't think any of those people that are pawns in the game. And by the way, I don't think Fauci was a top tier Luciferian. I think he was a key pawn in the game. Don't get me wrong. He's a wicked ruler. He qualifies for one of those wicked rulers that we just read about. Um, but I don't think he was uh, a key, you know, frontline guy. He was just a pawn in their game. So yeah, totally agree. So what else do you have? Well, China is now opening up. Everybody wants to take an airplane or a ship somewhere. They supposedly, uh, diagnosed 35 million COVID cases in one day. Mm. All I can say is I don't know if we're talking any variants or if anything has happened to the virus, but with them now getting on the airplanes, getting on the cruise ships, starting to travel all through Asia and Europe, we're going to see another outbreak, probably more serious than last time. And if, if everything is as we think it is with the people being vaccinated or in more danger, we could have a loss of life with this round that we've never had before. I mean, when you consider how many people are on airplanes, the different countries they go to, this will probably move faster than any disease we've ever recorded on this earth. So I would imagine something will be hitting within the next 30 days. And what's your, what's your, how does that fit into the, the big plan? I mean, I have my ideas, but I, I mean, do you feel like that's just one more, piece of the puzzle to help bring America to its knees? I do. I've been, you know, things were kind of slow before Christmas. Since Christmas, things have been going bananas. Hmm. Um, I'll go over a few things and we'll come back to the COVID thing, how I think it fits in. But if we all go back to President Clinton, I think we all remember Serbia, Kosovo, uh, Croatia, all of those countries at that time. Well, in the last 10 days, the Serbians have now gone almost to arms. They are fully ready for an armed conflict with Kosovo. Um, they are moving troops towards the Kosovo border, and it looks like an outbreak could, of hostilities could be there at any time. Now, what I find really, really interesting, Serbia is an ally of the Russians. Serbia lies on the west coast of Romania, Moldova and Bulgaria. Now we've talked before about the Russians moving across Ukraine as they get to Moldova, taking a left and going back down towards the Turkish border. Well, with the Serbians now being armed and ready for battle, 
more than likely they're going to have a second front for those three countries and they're going to have to those countries will have to move troops to meet them rather than battling the russians as they go southward yeah so I what's mean, going to happen is we're going to have a mess very shortly yeah and and i just want to interject sorry to interrupt you there but um uh you know my wife always points out that and I love Wendy. I mean, she's just such a blessing and she's uh, she's really the brains behind the operation of Not By Works Ministries. That's the big secret that people don't realize. But uh, she always points out that when these types of moves happen, like you're talking about Serbia and, 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 and Kosovo and so forth, uh, the, the elite are so many moves ahead of us that we're reacting and interpreting and in some cases trying to provide commentary about something. And they're sitting back in their dark smoke-filled rooms just laughing because they know what's coming, that this is not about what it's about. That's my, my, you know, famous saying, not famous, but what I tend to say a lot is it's never about what it's about. And so I think what you just said is spot on that, that this, these, these happenings are not organic. They're by design. Uh, in fact, this is kind of interesting. We're watching the new, the, the newest series of Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime just dropped, and uh, so we, we, I like to watch shows like that because they're all, you know, art imitates life. They they like to give secret messages and those things, and it's fascinating. It's all about a secret cabal pulling the strings behind Russia to suck NATO into a global conflict and bring down America. I mean, it's like this is this is what we've been talking about and what they've been talking about uh, for quite some time. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think uh, those are very key observations you just made about the geographic location of those countries. Well, I didn't even think about it till last night. Then about three o'clock in the morning, I woke up going, Oh, for crying out loud, that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. You know, they're keeping it low key. They're saying it's going to be a skirmish. They're keeping it at the back pages of the newspapers, in the news. But when you start looking at Romania, Moldova, Bulgaria, having a two-front war to worry about, that takes them out of the equation for the Ukraine. They're not going into Ukraine because they've got a bigger threat that lies to their west. And I would expect that to happen very, very shortly. I mean, with the Ukrainians launching a missile into Belarus yesterday, I mean, I don't know if they're letting their children play with video games that are hooked up live, but they got to do something about this because, you know, they launched one into their own airspace. They tried to blow, you know, put it on Russia. They take and put one into Belarus and it was launched from the Ukraine. Sooner or later, they are going to get the war they want. And I'm afraid it's going to move sooner than later. Um, on another front, our friend, Mr. Netanyahu is back in power in Israel, and that's making nobody happy. King Abdullah from Jordan is basically one of the most moderate leaders in that whole Middle East area. And he's already drawn red lines and told Israel, if you move over these red lines, we will go to battle. And that's very concerning because it was the only moderate country in that whole area. Yeah. And and let me interject here, too. And I know this is going to make some people mad and I'm probably going to get some emails, but all, all I can say is just, you know, do some research. Don't take my word for it. But uh, even the mainstream pundits are calling this new uh, uh, administration in Israel the, the most far right uh, administration in, in the history of modern Israel uh, since they became a nation again. And, you know, people need to understand that Bibi Netanyahu is not who a lot of Christians think he is. 
And, uh, you know, so this is uh, this is a all again, setting the stage to to for the key players to be in, in the key positions. Remember, Israel today is there in unbelief. Uh, Christ will regather them when he returns in belief as the nation of Israel uh, comes to faith during the tribulation. Uh, but right now they're not there in belief. So uh, just as we've seen in Israel's history uh, in ancient times, when wicked leaders rule, God brings uh, judgment. And so we know that uh, according to Ezekiel 38 and 39, the battle of Gog and Magog, that there's going to be a northern alliance that comes against Israel. As you just described, that seems to be uh, being put in place, or at least setting the stage for it. Uh, Israel is sort of stiffening their necks a bit. You've got Jordan, as you just mentioned, saying, you know, look, uh, we're not happy about this new administration, and we're going to be watching you closely. So uh, all of these things are kind of uh, coming all together at once. Now, we're not suggesting, and I know you're not, that, you know, the world's going to end tomorrow. Not at all. But we do know that, uh, as I outline in my books, uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, uh, that the closer we get to the tribulation period, the more characteristics of the Antichrist regime we're going to begin to see. And that's exactly what's happening. Well, you know, as we've talked before, Israel and Russia were getting along fabulously a year ago. Now that they've started to attack Syria in places, they've also warmed everything up with Iran. Russia basically wants nothing to do with them. That coupled with Israel starting to provide small arms and some assistance to Ukraine, Israel is very quickly sealing themselves off from everybody in the Middle East. And we know that things in the Middle East can happen quickly. And I think we're going to see them at war within the next few months if it keeps going the way it is. Yeah. Um, you know, Russia and Iran, they have a symbiotic relationship right now with Iran producing missiles, producing the drones. The Russians have just sent them advanced fighters that are nuclear capable. And I wouldn't doubt if they slipped in a few nuclear warheads at the same time. The Iranians are, are fearful that Israel is going to do something. And for what Russia is getting out of that relationship, I'm sure they were more than happy to give Iran whatever they thought they needed. So with Iran already being able to enrich their uranium to 60%, they'll be at 90% and make all the weapons they want shortly. Because Russia is the only country in the world that is enriching uranium. It's the only place you can get it. We're not making it here anymore since the Clinton's fiasco. So it would be a very small trip into Iran to take them what they needed for the warheads. They've got new missiles. They've got new planes. If I was Israel, I'd be looking at something happening very shortly. I really would. And, and do, um, you think, do you think it's going to be an intentional first strike against Israel by one of her many enemies? Or do you think it's going to be some type of powder keg where somebody blinks first and then everybody jumps into the dogfight? I think what we have going right now, we are going to have a conflict in four different arenas. Russia has warned the United States about not trying to do a decapitation of Putin, in other words, taking him out. They've also warned us to be very, very careful about what we do so that we don't set something off. Um, Russia doesn't want a war, but they're not afraid to go to war. 
I think they're ready because the Ingalls Air Force Base was attacked again today. That makes three times in a month. Now, with their strategic nuclear bombers being placed there, you have to think that um, they're sick of it. The team that set the uh, missiles off to the base the other day, uh, unfortunately, um, Russia said that they neutralized them. Now, I don't know if they killed them. I don't know if they took them prisoner. But I would imagine Russia's figured out how they're doing it. Probably will capture the ones that did it again today. But if they find any of those people to be American, or they find that those are American weapons, I think we're going to see this escalate so fast that we're going to wake up one morning and we're not going to have an idea what hit us. Yeah. Um, the, the Russians, they're, they're sick of us. They really are. I mean, we, if it wasn't for us, the Ukraine problem would be over. Now, Russia can't move into the south because it's still warm there. and The roads are not frozen. The north is. But in the meantime, they're putting 120 missiles and drones into the Ukraine every day. Leah, Lviv, however you pronounce it, Kharkiv, Kherson, Kiev, they're all without power. They're without water. And they get harder and more widespread destruction every day. The Russians are keeping, making them keep their heads down because the Russians are going to be into Ukraine just as soon as that ground freezes. I mean, everybody has now figured out what's going to happen. It's just where. And I think since the ground is frozen to the north, you'll see Belarus and Russian troops move down south towards Kiev. They're going to go into the west of Kiev to cut up and cut off all of the weapons ship shipments that go from Romania, Poland, or anywhere else. They're going to have enough troops in there that nobody's going to dare cross the line. And they're going to put the pressure on them to either surrender or starve and freeze. Mm. And, you know, with Putin not liking the cap that the Europeans put on oil at $60, um, he's given them until February to change their mind. Now, the scuttlebutt is he's going to turn around on February 1st and say, well, since you don't want to give me more money, all of our oil trade will now be in gold. That will bring every Western nation to their knees because our money isn't based on gold anymore. We don't know what it's based on. <laughs> so I look at NATO and the United States fracturing almost completely within the next 30 days, if that's what he does. Uh, he's offered to provide uh, um, natural gas to Europe for his price, and the Europeans don't want to pay that. But I think it gets the coldest in January and February in Europe. So they're either going to have to do something or they're going to be millions of them dying. Yeah, so it, something's I, it, happening. it occurred to me, you know, talking about what our money is based on. I've spoken a lot recently on uh, CBDCs and different venues. And it occurred to me that, you know, really in, in sort of a de facto way, our current monetary system is already a form of what they're ultimately going to roll out in the uh, new world order of CBDCs in the sense that, you know, the, the elites that control all of the money, and I'm not talking about, you know, the Forbes list of billionaires, those people are way down the list. I'm talking about the people who actually create the money. They don't, they don't need to worry about their net worth because they can just fabricate money anytime they want. And they control all of the different markets and they control the different commodities and so forth. So, it seems to me that 
our, as I've been saying for more than 10 years now, our economy is on life support. And, and when they're ready, they can turn it off in the same way that they can turn off digital money with expiration dates or social credit evaluations and carbon scores and all of that. So really, you know, it's not organic like people think it is. The stock market certainly isn't. Neither is the silver and gold markets. That's why I advocate for holding physical holdings of your, um, you know, investments rather than putting them on paper. Uh, and so I'm just, I feel like, it's not we're not going to see the economy collapse someday because it finally breathed its last it's going to collapse when they're ready for it to collapse and they're working hard to get everything in order and then when it suits their needs for rolling out the new world order they'll push a button and it will collapse do, do you agree with that oh definitely i mean you look at soros soros you look at gates you look at klaus schwab for not being elected they seem to wield a lot of power more power than any of the uh, heads of state, as far as I'm concerned. But when you're when you're talking about the CBDCs, you know they said they wanted to roll out something in the spring. I think they're even closer to being able to roll it out than what we know right now. Everything we seem to know is always it's an underestimate of what's happening, or it's oh we didn't know they were doing that. So I would imagine if the Russians all of a sudden require gold for the oil and OPEC will follow right behind them because we know that Brazil, we know that China, we know that all the rest of the BRICS nations are ready to go. Russia puts out 30% of the oil for the world. If they decide they want to draw the tap, close the tap for us and give it all to China, uh, where would the United States go? We already have gotten our strategic petroleum reserve down to what? 250 million barrels. Yeah. That's not that's not going to provide us enough time to do anything. And so I, I think it's coming quicker than what we think, but I have to agree totally with you. You know, and then we stop and look. Okay, we always talk about EMPs, cyber attacks, and an actual kinetic war. Well, I don't know if everybody knows this, but just before Christmas to a couple of days ago, there were more transformers and stuff damaged in Washington state. Now that was on the news, but what they didn't tell you is that Duke Energy down in, I think it's in Georgia, Alabama, it's down in the Southeast, they had to, they almost took down the entire grid. For some reason over Christmas and the day after, they couldn't generate electricity. They lost nine gigabytes of power for two days. They had to start rolling blackouts. They had to start everybody just conserving everything they could, but yet we don't see that on the news. Now, I don't believe for one minute that this is a bunch of right-wing, left-wing people, whatever, out there just doing vandalism. The way this, this is coordinated, this is a city-state-sponsored act of terror. I do believe that the terror cells in the United States, at least some of them, have been activated. Now, we talked several weeks ago about there, if nine of the right transformers go down, the United States grid is down. Now, if they were to use an EMP, that's an act of war. If they use some clandestine group to do the same thing, we maybe think it's an act of war, but they're going to blame it on somebody else. Now, with North Carolina being hit, with Washington and Oregon being hit, 
And now that we find out that Duke Power took a huge hit, you got to wonder which one's next. Yeah, and when do they I, finally get to the ones that are going to be the lucky ones? Yeah. By the way, uh, my uh, I have family down in Texas, and they uh, told me this week that uh, they were having uh, rolling brownouts again, just like they did uh, not long ago in the winter, a couple winters ago, I think it was. Uh, so, yeah, I tell you what, it's it's things are far more uh tenuous than we like to think and um and and they're also far more controlled than most people realize well when i was on the fire department in norfolk nebraska back in the 70s and 80s we also assisted with civil defense for storms for weather related activities whatever they specifically told us at that time if there's ever a national emergency like a nuclear attack the only thing you're going to know about is the flash because they said the mayhem and the um, confusion it would cause to warn everybody would cause more people to die than it would be if they didn't warn them. Huh. Now, everybody should stop and think about that for just a minute. We keep thinking, you know, we've got the emergency broadcasting system. We've got 24-7 news. But if our government's not going to let us know, how are we ever going to know if something's happening? We'll have no internet, we'll have no heat, we'll have no water, we'll have no phone. We will be stuck in our houses wondering what went on. And I just want everybody to understand, this isn't a theory. This is going to happen. It's a matter of when. With all of these electrical grid problems we're having, communication problems, I will guarantee you that this is going to happen, and I'm afraid it's going to happen this winter. Because what better time to hit a country in the middle of winter? It's cold. People can't get warm. In the summer, you're hot. You get cooled down. But we would be so at their mercy right now. We'd have no food and water within days. No communication. We all know that the uh, in um, Buffalo, New York, they already had people out looting three hours after the storm started. Think of what it would be like here or anywhere else if it was down. We had no communication, no leadership. The looters would be out in squads. You would not be able to leave your house safely. And most people wouldn't know how to survive without electricity and gas. Yeah, that's a tragic. That's really tragic what happened there in Buffalo. And by the way, my, my oldest daughter was... Uh, uh, we were all together, our whole family and ex some extended family uh, for vacation last week. And then when we headed back home, uh, back here to Colorado, she headed uh, north and uh, she got stranded in the midst of a snowstorm. The interstate was shut down. They made everybody get off. She got uh, on the side roads, just trying to work her way back you know, north where she was headed, ended up getting stuck in a snowdrift and uh, two state troopers helped her get to a church that had opened up uh, as a refuge for people that were stranded. And, uh, you know, when I see these stories about people dying in their cars overnight because they got trapped and no one could find them, I just praise God that uh, she was able to to be rescued. She was on a, you know, isolated road. There were no other cars around. Um, the drifts were you know, uh, impassable, and she got stuck in one. And up ahead, she sees these uh, lights, and it's two state troopers. We wonder to this day. I mean, this was just a few days ago, but we wonder to this day if they were angels, which they might have been. Who knows? But uh, 
anyway, our hearts and prayers go out to those uh, that were really impacted by this latest storm. And of course, not to be so negative or cynical, but let's not forget who controls the weather. Uh, this too was not organic, um, which people need to understand. I in chapter in uh, volume one of Spirit of the Antichrist, I have a whole chapter on geoengineering that uh, makes that uh, case. I uh, you know I have to agree totally. You know this this storm was not a normal storm. Being this warm in the Ukraine is not a normal thing. There's stuff going on we don't know about, and you know we're never going to read about it probably in the paper. But I think we can all presume that something beyond our capabilities is going on, and probably uh, very nefarious means are changing things. Um, when I woke up this morning getting ready for the broadcast tonight, I'm just paging through the news. All of a sudden, it comes up that a Chinese aircraft flew immediately in front of an American reconnaissance aircraft just about caused a collision this morning. Well, that's not the first time the Chinese have done that. They're harassing us all the time. The next thing I read, though, is that there's now a carrier task force off of Guam, a Chinese task force. Now, they were doing drills the other day by Japan and by Okinawa. And all of a sudden, yesterday, they showed up right on the western edge of Guam, right outside of our territorial waters. But all of a sudden, it's kind of like, see, we can get through there. You're not going to know this is coming. And all of a sudden, the United States is going, what are we going to do with this? We don't have assets there to really, you know, fight this off. We have aircraft, but we didn't have any ships there although there is now a carrier task group of ours going that direction. But things happen so quickly. They're so unexpected. We have so many theaters of possible war. I don't think our intelligence is up to the job. I think with the Chinese and Russian ships off the west coast of the United States, Russian submarines off the east coast of the United States, the Russians are harassing Japan. North Korea is harassing Japan and South Korea with their ballistic missiles. The other day, the North Koreans, we always think that they're you know pretty primitive, but they flew five drones across the DMZ into South Korea. Now, the South Koreans responded. The first airplane that went up crashed. The helicopters that went up trying to shoot down these drones, they all missed. The drones got to where they were going. Now, fortunately, they were duds, but it just goes to show you, is that is there a cyber war going on right now we don't know about? Um, are we not as technically capable as we think we are? We look at Southwest Airlines. Again, they're going down just like they did a year, year ago. They don't have pilots. They don't have planes, et cetera. You have to wonder what is taking place behind the scenes that we are not seeing and they're not letting us know. Yeah, I, I got an email from uh, someone or it was forwarded to me, actually, from someone on the inside at Southwest Airlines that was uh, making the case that this was uh, uh, a failure of leadership and a long time coming. And and uh, I, but I, I'm not so sure. I don't have any insider knowledge, of course, so I'm just speculating. But I, I know that Southwest Airlines was one of the few commercial airlines that did not require its pilots to get the vaccination. And. And I know that we've seen this before, where the Luciferian elite will 
seek revenge uh, in, you know, in, with economic warfare on certain companies or people or whatever uh, who don't play along. And I just couldn't help but wonder because Southwest Airlines has been, you know, historically one of the more well-managed and, and well, uh, you know, respected airlines. And you just have to wonder, I mean, we've had snowstorms and outages before, and I just doesn't pass the smell test to me that this was an organic, uh, you know, failure or, or collapse or whatever it is for Southwest Airlines. I think there's more to the story. I think so too. But what really concerns me is, have do you re remember ever seeing any of this taking place in a different country? We've seen they have two years of this now. Yeah. But the airlines from other countries are running fine. Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, other countries probably don't have near as much uh, commercial air traffic as we do. We we uh, we live in a country where at least ostensibly you have the freedom to travel across state borders and, and go where you want. But, yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, it's just one more piece of the puzzle. Like we said, there are multiple moves ahead. We don't know for sure how it fits in, but uh, it's a pretty safe bet that uh, the house always wins. I mean, so uh, so I, I really think there's more to the story. I do too. I'm afraid that, you know, you don't see Qantas having these problems. Mm -hmm. You don't see Aeroflot having these problems. And I'm thinking either our system needs to be advanced and, you know, brought to the 21st century, or there's something going on that we don't know about. And I haven't been to the store in the last week, so I don't know what they don't have this week, but I do know with 50 million chickens dying from the avian flu, uh, eggs, chicken, all that good stuff is going to go up in price dramatically. And I listened to a professor today say we are uh, we are one step away from avian bird flu being transmitted to humans. And he's afraid that that's going to happen in the next six months. Well, they just they just need the Fauci to give, you know, millions of dollars to fund the gain of function research and and boom, they'll have it. Right. <laughs> Either that or slip his wife a hundred bucks and say, you know, just just go ahead and pass this without testing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you ever hear our, our people say anything about his wife being in charge of all those medications being OK? No. And that's 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 there's so many examples of that where you know, if you only get your news from mainstream media. You know, you're not you're just being played. You're being programmed. That's why they call it programming. And so, uh, you know, of course, they're not going to talk about that. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, we're just about out of time. But I wanted to ask you about Zelensky, because, of course, uh, you know, Zelensky was here in America. And I don't think we've talked since he was here. But I don't know about you, but it, it really disturbed me that our elected officials gave him a standing ovation as if he's some kind of hero. I've been saying since the early days of the of the uh, invasion, uh, I, when I did my message in Tulsa called uh, Russia, Ukraine and the New World Order, don't be don't be sucked into that trap of thinking, you know, Ukraine, good, Russia, bad. Uh, if people really knew, as you've pointed out before on this podcast, what Zelensky's background is, uh, would we really be giving him a standing ovation? Well, I mean, he comes to one of the more important countries in the world, and he comes in his fatigues. They're dirty. They're smelly. He didn't have time for a shower before he got here. <laughs> it you know, was all scripted. Colonel... It was went. all scripted. It was all scripted. Exactly. And then Colonel McGregor said this morning 
that before he was elected president, he spoke Russian. He did not speak Ukrainian. He couldn't speak a word of it. So they had to take five months and train him how to speak Ukrainian. Now, does anybody find that a little weird? I mean, well, it strikes me where it strikes me as no accident that in the last five years or six years, two of the most prominent world leaders that are on the world stage right now both got, you know, got their rise to fame um, from, you know, uh, reality TV shows or, uh, the, you know, in, in Trump's case, not only reality TV, but of course, the porn and gambling industries. Um, and, and, and you know, what does that tell you about what's really going on? That's what I kind of started out the, the podcast today with is that we have not really had a godly world leader in, in I don't know how long. There are any country that is worth anything that is that is significant in any way they've already been infiltrated and they're they're controlled and so uh i i believe in god's people and i believe that good men and women exist and good men and women exist in the military and in politics and other places but they will never be allowed at least not until the lord comes back to make all things new to actually rise to a level of, of prominence. It's just not going to happen. I mean, uh, Paul said things are getting worse and worse in 2 Timothy 3.13. And so it, it's uh, it's getting harder and harder with this uh, one world, you know, connectivity um, to, to really accomplish anything from a biblical, you know, moral standpoint uh, before somebody steps in and, and puts a stop to it. So, well, give us some, give us some closing thoughts, any other urgent news items, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up for this podcast and we'll look forward to talking to you again uh, next week. Okay. I just about have the radio system set up that way I can get a hold of everybody. I don't know how you're going to get back to me, but we've got a nice little mountain down here with a repeater. It's at 12,000 feet. So I can broadcast, I think, wherever I need to go. So we're going to go over the frequencies next week. The only thing is I'm trying to think of how everybody's going to be able to connect with each other. I'm still working on that, but I think there's a way we can do it. Um, no matter how bad it is, and every day gets worse, we are one day closer going to meet our maker. And that is about the only thing that really gives a person any sense of calm and solace right now because the way things are going i don't know how many more years we'll we're going to be around and be able to take it i really don't yeah well you know and i, I want to close out with some you know we're, we're, the way we started with some encouraging words from proverbs 21 1 because you know a lot of people say man it's so negative all you talk about is the bad news well look it's our job it's my job as a pastor and a bible teacher uh to sound the alarm. And and I will never, you know, apologize for that or be ashamed of that in any way. I believe for such a time as this, we need more men and women of God to be out there sounding the alarm. Uh, if, if, the, if Christians had not been derelict in their duty in World War II, who knows how things might have ended up and who knows if Hitler ever would have gotten his, you know, rise to, to power. So um, it's not about being negative. It's about proclaiming, you know, the truth and, and letting you hear things that you're not going to hear through mainstream media. But in spite of that, 
I think what distinguishes not by works ministries, or at least what I really am passionate about, is the fact that when we see these negative things, you know, happening and all of this, uh, these geopolitical events coalescing together and setting the stage for the one world system. To me, that's exciting because we know who wins in the end, and it just tells us we're closer uh, to the end game. It, it's it's like we have an inside scoop, and so yeah, we're you know we're concerned, we're dis- can be uh, you know discouraged. We need to make preparations. It does impact our quality of life, and and all of these things we're talking about. We were doing so because we want people to be prepared. But yet, in the back of our minds, there's always the reality that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And like rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes, Proverbs 21.1. So be encouraged and be wise, of course. You know, we're calling this today's uh, a podcast, Living Wisely When the Wicked Lead. Um, so we want to be wise. We don't want to just take this laissez-faire attitude of, hey, whatever will be, will be. We'll just, you know, if God wants me to die, I'll die. No, no, that's that's a... Uh, uh, you know, contrary to scripture, the sanctity of life is worth fighting for. And so we want to, you know, be prepared and be wise and take all of this information and use it to our advantage. But it's not, you know, it's not like what you get on other a podcasts, especially those that are trying to sell, you know, long-term storable food or other preparedness items. And it's this drip feed of dread constantly, and, and, you know, as they roll the, the 1-800 number across the bottom of the screen and ask you for your credit card. That's, that's not what we're about. We're, we're simply looking at, you know, geopolitical world events through the lens of scripture and saying, Hey folks, it's time uh, to wake up. In fact, you know, passage that I often inscribe when I sign books, uh, these last two books anyway, uh, you know, in when I put my signature is from is from uh, second or first Thessalonians five, verse six, which reminds us, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So that's what we're trying to do here, Randy. And, and I know you know that, but I just want to remind our our listeners of that. So uh, I want to thank you again for being with us today, Randy. I wish you the best. I didn't realize you were born on New Year's Day, huh? That's amazing. Well, actually, um, January uh, January 1st, one second after midnight in Denver, Colorado. Is that right? Wow. There were five of us born in the first five minutes. So I think somebody grabbed me by the ears and jerked. So do you get any special prize for being the first baby born that year in Denver? (laughs) Uh, my dad used to say, you know, 10 minutes earlier, I'd have had a deduction. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it sounds like two seconds earlier, you might have had a deduction. I don't know. But well, uh, exactly. I'm, you know, I had no control. So what can I say? But no, well, I wish well, I happy, did, but that's it. Happy early birthday. I know I'll be seeing you before then, but uh, I know our listeners want to wish you a happy birthday too. And, uh, and uh, if you need to reach Randy, uh, you can just email us here at Not By Works, and we'll give you his email address. But uh, but anyway, uh, wish everybody the best. If you're in Denver, come see us Sunday at Plum Creek Chapel. I'm going to be sharing a New Year's Day uh, message uh, in, entitled New Year's Revolution. And I'm going to be talking about revolutions historically and the one that's coming and uh, from uh, several passages, actually, it seems like as I put this message together this week, I focused on the prophet Haggai, the New Testament letter to the Hebrews, and then uh, quite a bit of cross-referencing with Second Peter chapter 3. But, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, come see us 10 o'clock Sunday. We will not be having our 9 o'clock 
uh, Bible study on Sunday this week because of New Year's Day. So just one service only, but it will be live streamed at 10 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, so again, check out uh, our website, uh, notbyworks.org and spiritoftheantichrist.org. Send that link, spiritoftheantichrist.org, to all your friends and folks that you're trying to wake up because they can, uh, on that uh, webpage, uh, spiritoftheantichrist.org, they can uh, read all about some of the topics and subjects that we cover in those uh, two volumes of that book. And then if they are intrigued by it, they can purchase the books uh, right there. So until next time, I wish uh, everybody a happy new year. Uh, God bless you. And thanks uh, so much for being with us again, Randy. And thanks for listening. You bet.